Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring Rusty and Ryan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 138 of Otaku Brothers. My name is Rusty, and as always, I'm joined by my forever co-host and brother-in-law, Ryan. It was a night of gaming, Mountain Dew, and Xbox games. How the heck are you? Doing great, yeah. Going back to the bachelor life for you. Mm. Um, back to high school style gaming. We got Mountain Dew, chips, Chinese food. Like, what more could you want on a Friday? Uh, probably Perfect Dark Remastered, but we got that too. <coughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was a wonderful night hanging out with you, just broing out. Uh, my wife, Lauren, is out of town for the second week in a row. I'm not really sure if she's trying to send me a message or a signal or something <laughs> like that, but, yeah. um, you know, she's testing the waters out there. And can you blame her? I mean, she's married to me. But uh, anyways, yes, my wife was out of town visiting a friend out in L.A. And so with her being gone, I figured why not, you know, we're going to record the podcast Saturday morning. Why don't you just come over and hang out and we'll just chill, get some food, drink some uh, some soda, and have a good time. Yeah, it was a good time. I uh, gave the dog to the parents. They were they didn't have any objections to that because mm-hmm. they enjoy her. Um, and then just came over and had a good late night. So. Yeah, up till 1 or 2 in the morning. So we'll get to all of that and then some here because this is Otaki Brothers. Ryan and I talk about a whole assortment of random things. Most of the time, we try and talk about video games, kind of keep it focused in that realm. We often talk about TV shows, the movies we're watching, anything under the sun, really. This is Otaku Brothers, and it's kind of freeform in that sense. But today, we have a very special episode, because not only, as we do every episode, are we going to get into the games that we've been playing recently, of course, more Elden Ring talk, but Kirby and the Forgotten Land came out last week. Mm -hmm. So I have some hot off the presses impressions of that game, and then Ron and I played some Xbox games. But Ryan, in order to play Xbox games, I would need to have a box with an X on it. Yeah, I guess that seems right. So yeah. maybe we'll get into more of that here later in the episode too. And then at the tail end of the episode, the main topic of the show, Ryan and I are returning to our Memory of Melodies segments. If you've been listening to more recent episodes, you'll know I've kind of just uh, had a heck of a time with home ownership, yeah. And it's been pretty brutal, very tough, uh, Certainly mentally, but also on the wallet, given some of the repairs that are on the near horizon for Lauren and I. And physically. I mean, you almost broke your neck this morning (laughs) carrying ladders down. That was definitely, uh, yeah, that was scary. But uh, all of that aside, I texted Ryan earlier in the week and said, hey, I need to do something this week for the show that's super chill, kind of mellow, and just going to bring us lots of joy. And I was down. Both each other and hopefully the listeners. So the topic for this week's segment for Memory of Melody is just songs that remind us of spring or just songs that make us happy. Because here in the States, we are approaching the spring season. We're kind of in the midst of it, if you will, even though here in the Midwest, it's still dipping below 30 degrees at the end of March. But what are you going to do? And uh, we'll do that in the back half of the show. So I'll explain the finer details of what that segment is if you're new here. But the long and short of it is Ryan and I listen to really fun tunes. That's where the melodies come in. And we tell some fun stories. And that's where the memories come in. So it should be lots of good time. So buckle up. As we always say here on Otaku Brothers, I hope this episode finds you well. Hopefully you're just kicking your feet up on the weekend, playing some good games. Maybe you're on a commute to work. Maybe you're on a jog, Ryan. 
Yeah. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> so yeah, she not did, a fan. Not a be, fan. Pick a better life choice, but car people. Nice. Yes. Yeah. You could be driving. Yeah. Sitting down, yeah. not jogging. <laughs> Regardless of where it finds you, we hope it finds you well. But as we also always do on Otaku Brothers, we talk about our weeks, any relevant updates with our lives that we want to bring to the show. So, Ryan, enlighten the people. How you doing? Well, this morning was rough because I broke my beats. But you came in, swooped in mm. with a counter to that. As so I often do. I'm going to be getting the same headphones that you are. So I'm excited. And in orange, if they're still there. Um, as far as this week, nothing too crazy. Um, there's a big shift, I guess, in my work where starting four one, um, we're going back to the office one day a week. So it'll be a big change. Oh. Um, so yeah, for this month, I'll be back in the office one day a week, the next two days, and then up to three as kind of the final. But after two years being work from home, it's going to be a, a big shift, even just driving in one day. That will be tough. And <clears throat> excuse me, the thing I'm curious about for you is... You know, I saw something trending on Twitter yesterday, I think it was, and it was, you know, um, everyone's going back to work that, you know, works in the corporate world only to take Zoom calls from their desk. And I'm wondering for you, are you just going to be going to work and taking calls from your desk? Because that's kind of how things have been for me in my workplace. Um, We're encouraged to go on this hybrid A-B schedule where depending on what group you are, A or B, you're supposed to be in the office three days a week. And for me, that's fine because I like seeing my team. I like being around people. I'm an extrovert in that sense, so I get energy from being around my team. However, rarely is anyone actually coming into the office because they're not really enforcing the three-day-a-week policy regardless of the group you're on. And in addition to that, because because of what I do in, in the auditing profession, I'm often meeting with people, and no one's really talked about whether we should go to conference mo- rooms and actually meet in person. And if anything, it's discouraged because you don't know if other people are on the same schedule as you. And you also don't know other people's comfort level of going to in-person meetings. So at the end of the day, everyone kind of just avoids the giant elephant in the room and is like, let's just take calls from our desk. And I'm like, why am I commuting to work then? If I could take these calls at home, roll out of bed, grab my cup of coffee, write my PJs, my Banjo-Kazooie t-shirt, and just get my work done. Yeah. No, I mean, that's the huge kind of problem a lot of companies are running into is what's the schedule? I mean, you have different like we have five teams or four teams within our kind of greater team. So like our one team is one team going to be on Tuesdays, which seems to be what our team is doing. Is another team going to be Wednesdays? Are we going to have like how is that going to work? And we don't have like full cubicles. And I don't know if you, I guess at your office had full cubicles. We kind of like have the half one so you mm-hmm. can see over. Yeah, we have the full. Okay. So that's good, at least for sound detonating. Mm-hmm. Ours are like, if people are on Zoom calls everywhere, it's freaking loud. It's almost like a IT call center where everyone's just on calls at the same time. Yeah. And then like we moved upstairs to like the R and D facility. Mm -hmm. So we don't have like kind of an L shaped desk. We have just a flat front desk with like sometimes no dividers between us and the next buyer. So it's even more noise. And we don't like when you're in that box, you can kind of like go down a little bit, get on your headset and be fine. But yeah, I I don't know. I I think that's going to be a problem they run into. Um, We'll, we'll see how it goes. I mean, it'll be nice. I mean, we had a going away party for two members of our team on Tuesday, which was fun to see everyone. But mm-hmm. 
Uh, as far as the working environment outside of just kind of socializing and getting to see the team again, it'll be a, a learning curve for sure. Yeah, more to come. I'm, I'm excited to hear how that goes for you uh, because, like I said, I've been pretty against going in. And thankfully, my team is very flexible. My boss doesn't really worry about it. Um, and I haven't been in the office in probably well over a month at this point because uh, I'm getting my work done. Yeah, I, I think that's really all that matters is if you're not being productive at home, then not as punishment, but I mean, you're you're an adult, do your job kind of thing, come yeah. into the office until you can prove that you're you can, you're able to get your work done on and meet deadlines. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Okay. Okay. Well, what are you going to do with uh, Nala, your dog? She's going to be in the cage. Okay. Um, I'll be an adjustment for her too then. Yeah. And then out. And then like the big thing is like going back three days a week, gas is super expensive. It's yeah. a, it's an, it's a cost that I wasn't, not wasn't prepared for, but I mean, if you're, I have a 15 gallon tank, I have a civic, mm-hmm. a 19 civic. So it, it gets a good amount of, uh, gas mileage but it's also a 30 minute commute to work mm-hmm. so it's maybe an extra hundred dollars a week that i could spend on other things like video games or yeah, like runescape or <laughs> whatever the hell you yeah. buy in runescape yeah runescape that's it that is my life so mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's just a big change we'll see we'll okay. see how happy i am okay interesting interesting well i mean the saving grace you know if we're gonna find the silver lining in commuting to work I always like it because it's easier for me to put on the different hats of, you know, you have to kind of be in a certain state of mind to get into your work mode. And for you living in a one-bedroom apartment, it's probably pretty tough to wear those separate hats and differentiate between I'm in work mode versus chill mode. And I think with commuting, you know, you can blare the tunes, you can open up the window, have your hair flying through the <laughs> yeah, wind. I was going to say, I woke up with a really bad bedhead this morning. No, I mean, I think it's a good decompression coming home from work, that like 30-minute commute. Mm-hmm. Um, going to my work, everyone drives like a freaking bat out of hell. Yeah. So it's like a speedway. Um, but um, I, I think the main thing finding a schedule that my problem is going to be is having a dog doing all the pre-stuff before I go into work, a walk, and then eight hours of work my old schedule when i went into the office was go right to the gym yeah which i'm gonna i mean like if i'm gone for eight hours i feel like i'm neglecting my responsibilities as an owner if i'm gonna then be gone for another two or another hour and a half after driving without coming home taking her out making sure i've played with her then going to the gym if i need to go to the gym and then coming home and then fucking sleeping or making food for tomorrow. Well, so. and to, to, I mean... It's like having a kid. It is, but you also never really understood the true responsibilities of owning a dog because you got Nala during the pandemic. And so yeah. you never really got to see... Because Lauren and I, having a dog is not always easy. You also and, got him as a puppy and he had health stuff. So, like, you got yeah. to see that firsthand even more. Yeah, so definitely prepping Lauren and I for the, the near horizon with little kiddos. But um, certainly for us, I mean, to have a partner in that makes things a lot more doable yeah you know to not is is challenging so yeah uh, i think my game plan was like maybe twice a month or once a week take her to that boarding place up near my work and have her play with dogs and pick her up after work that'll be good that'll be good get some socialization going on yeah because i mean a lot of these dogs during the pandemic don't have that socialization and i mean 
a dog that doesn't know how to a- interact with other dogs is scary. It is. And especially my dog being a pit terrier has mm-hmm. like that bad, your dog's won 85 pounds of just pure muscle. It doesn't matter if she's coming up to you with like the intention of just loving you to death. It's like, it's scary. So Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. What about you? Uh, yeah, things have been really chill, thankfully. Um, outside of the house stuff, Lauren and I are still waiting to hear back from insurance um, with the roof, and we're still hoping that everything goes uh, in our favor with that. So we'll find out more details on Monday uh, with all of that craziness. But outside of that, work is finally slowing down. Uh, in about three and a half weeks here, I will transition to my new role. So I'm really kind of in that exit strategy phase with my current role where making sure that everything that my name is associated with, I'm transitioning to other people and um, the engagements or the projects that I'm on now, I'm more kind of in that project manager role. So I'm just making okay. sure that other people are getting their work done yeah, as opposed to or not or not and then cleaning up those messes. But, um, you know, hopefully, you know, just pushing things along, making sure things are moving so that when I do leave, it's an easy transition to other people. Is so, it still a surprise where you're going or do you have any kind of idea? Still a surprise. Yeah. So I have time with the coordinator next week and okay. it's going to basically just say like, hey, what the heck is going on? <laughs> where am I going? Because I'd love to be able to meet with my uh, my new manager to kind of get some type of idea of the work I'll be doing. Yeah. Because I, I'm a planner. Like I like to be prepared and be able to anticipate what's around the corner and when I can't, it just obviously gives me a lot of anxiety. Yeah, or at least like look up stuff to be like, do I know the jargon or like what yeah. am I walking into? Yeah, because I'm going to be going into a very technical space and that's definitely not one of my strong suits, even being an IT auditor. So um, anything that I can do to prepare myself to be in that seat, I want to do. Yeah. And if history tells me anything, it sounds like I'll probably figure out where I'm going three to five days before it happens, which I do not like at all. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, more Corporate to come world, on that. You gotta love it. What's that? Corporate world, you gotta love it. Yeah, exactly. Things move pretty slow where I work, so it's it's out of my control. There's nothing I can do about it except play video games and not worry about it. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, outside of that, what I will get into here is I needed a win this week, Ryan. Yeah. You know, I know we're we're gonna listen to some great tunes here. That's a great win. You came over last night. I don't. That's, is that a win? That's debatable. Somewhat lost. You're kicking me out after this podcast yeah. for a couple hours. You're a lot. You're a lot to handle sometimes. Yeah. Um, but no, earlier in the week, I was just browsing Twitter like I normally do. Um, well, the other thing I'll bring up too before I even get into the win was just continuing to get beat down. The Foo Fighters uh, yeah. had a horrible, horrible loss last week in the tragic and untimely passing of Taylor Hawkins. Just a phenomenal drummer and an even better person. And all of the stories and anecdotes you've seen from musicians and celebrities across the world, really, that have had an outpouring of love and support for the band and Taylor's family, um, not a single person has said a negative or even remotely negative thing about Taylor. Just overwhelming positivity about this man. And for him to pass away at the the very young age of 50 is just, um, it's just horrible. It was just so yeah. gutting to see that news yeah. last Friday. Um, it's also for the first celebrity for me that, or musician that had such a significant impact on me, like emotionally, like an emotional response to their loss. Yeah. Um, you know, like Paul Walker is probably the, 
one I'd point to outside of Taylor where it was just so gutting, especially given how he passed away. Yeah. Um, and before that, um, Heath Ledger was another horrible loss because I was a huge fan of Nolan's Batman movies. Mm-hmm. Batman Begins, of course, but The Dark Knight and the hype leading <clears> up to that and all the advertising of him being the Joker, that passing was horrible. Um, but, you know, Taylor Hawkins, I've just, of course, been listening to a, a ridiculous amount of Foo Fighters music this week and videos of Taylor singing. Um, yeah, just horrible, horrible loss. And uh, my heart, of course, goes out to all Foo Fighters fans, his family, Dave, the band, everyone. I just, I don't know what they're going to do. Um, he's irreplaceable. He's just a magnificent person and drummer. And his talent knew no bounds. Great singer, too. So horrible, horrible stuff. But all that aside, that with the house and work and whatever else, Lauren leaving. I don't like when Lauren's not here. Uh, I needed a win this week. Yeah. And so over the past year and a half, two years or so, I've been accumulating um, Amazon points, if you will, because I pay off my credit card every month. And when I do that, I accumulate like 1% of what I pay off. Yeah. And I've eventually, and I told Lauren this about a year and a half ago when I started saving and accumulating these points, I said, once I get enough to clear the cost of an Xbox Series X, can I do it? And she's like, yeah, that's fine. As long as you don't pay any more money, given all the (laughs) eBay packages that, you know, find their way to the house and everything else. So I said, okay. So about a couple months ago, I had gotten to the point where I had surpassed that that amount Mm -hmm. um, with tax and everything like that. And I was scrolling Twitter, I think Wednesday or Thursday, and Wario64 had just posted a link to Amazon for Series X's being back in stock. And so I immediately went to Amazon, added it to my cart, and I texted Lauren because she was, an, <clears throat> excuse me, she was in LA at this point. And I said, hey, can I do it? And she texted me back like a minute later and says, go for it. So I yeah. added it to my cart, pressed buy, and I got it. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, so I, we ended up playing it last night, which was a ton of fun. I Originally, when we were seeing the designs, I think we were making fun of it as being like a fridge-shaped. We could also call it, call it a monolith, which sounds way cooler. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not as big and as... I mean, it's a chunk, but like the PlayStation 5 is massive, mm-hmm. com- like height-wise at least. Compared oh, yeah. To, um, but yeah, I'm glad you finally got one. Yeah, and it was great. So I um, I ordered it. And it said it was going to get here on April 1st. So like literally the day after I ordered it. So I go to bed Thursday night. Scoop and I hop in bed. We're just chilling watching Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone like I do every pretty much, every night pretty much because it <laughs> yeah. kind of calms me down. And uh, around four o'clock in the morning, <laughs> Scoob jumps out of bed and starts barking like a crazy person. And I thought I heard the ding sound because we have a security system. And I thought I heard the same ding sound that happens when someone walks into the house. And I'm thinking, did Lauren already come back from L.A.? Like, what's going on here? And Scoob was like, dogs have a sense. Yeah. Right. And his sense was telling me, that's not mom. Like, there's someone in our house. So I, of course, kind of flipped out and um, walked out into the main room. No one was there. And I looked outside because Scoob was sniffing at the door. Yeah. And there was a car driving away. I think it was an Amazon truck because it was pitch black outside. And I opened up the door and the Series X box was there. Just the box. It wasn't even like in additional supporting box. So, Which is crazy. I, first of all, I, 
Amazon people, I feel bad for them, obviously, because they're working around the clock. Four o'clock in the morning? Yeah, third shift is no joke. I, I mean, I, I didn't even know that they had third shift for Amazon Pack. I figured, like, flights and stuff, but, like, Amazon goes through at least my neighborhood around, like, three. In the but, afternoon. Like, in the afternoon, the opposite time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that's ridiculous. So yeah, I was able to thankfully get the Series X, pulled into the house, went back to bed. Um, and then the next day, just such an exciting experience, you know, getting a new console, regardless if it's new or if you get an old like Virtual Boy or N-Gage or whatever. When you buy a new console, it's always this like momentous event. Yeah, it is. Right? And the Series X, man, I cannot talk highly enough about the packaging. I mean, it really felt like... Back in, you know, high school when I got like an iPod video, the packaging just being so nice with Apple products, the Series X was the same way. I mean, it was literally just like I was unwrapping one of the most well-bound pieces of technology. And uh, yeah, it's a big, beefy boy. Yeah, it is. I mean, what? It's got the neon kind of green packaging. It's like, it's a full experience. Mm -hmm. Um, PlayStation 5, I mean, granted, you're getting the console, but like, I remember it being very generic. It's like it's packaged with efficiency, like the Japanese way, oh, <laughs> opposed yeah. to like the showy kind of American Microsoft way. You know, the 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 PlayStation Five. I I have no business keeping that box because it's so huge, pretty cheap looking, and just visually again not pleasing at all to the eye. But anyways, opening up the Series X, getting that thing connected was such a fun experience. You know, anytime you get a newer console nowadays, you, of course, have to go through all the rigmarole of setting up your internet connection, getting your profile ready to go. And it was a super smooth and seamless process for the Series X. I, of course, um, imported my profile from my Xbox 360 days, which is uh, Fear the Steel 43, which is kind of a... uh, Kind of a Steelers-inspired name, 43 being my favorite Steelers player ever, and Troy Polamalu. But uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun to kind of set up. And then um, shortly after doing that, it kind of said, hey, do you want to upgrade your gaming experience to the ultimate level by getting Game Pass Ultimate? And I, of course, Ryan, for many moons on this podcast, have talked, I wouldn't say down to the Xbox products, but I've been more critical of them than I have of PlayStation, and that's largely because PlayStation, the 5, and the 4 generation have spoken to me far more with their game libraries. Yeah, Being more platformer and RPG-focused, that's really how I spend most of my time with game genres, and Xbox doesn't really have a flagship platforming series. Um, They don't really have a lot of exclusive RPGs necessarily. They're more multiplayer focused you got your racing games and it's also very um consumer friendly with the game pass service yeah and i think the main thing is like you like to for the most part go into a game and if you really are happy about it own it physically Mm -hmm. but then also finish a game like you're not a huge like kind of netflix shopping yeah type gamer where you're hopping around consistently it's like you have a game, you play through it for 60 hours or whatever the gameplay is, and then you go to the next one. Yeah. Where it wasn't as appealing to have fucking 100 games one month, and then next month changes over. Yeah, and I, I always have the the issue when it comes to watching TV shows or movies of, I just, there's too many options, so I end up just going back and watching the same shit I always watch. Yeah. Which is, you know, 
Hercules, Mulan, Lost, you know, some of those shows I've already seen a dozen times over. Yeah. But I can anticipate what's going to happen. I don't really get any anxiety from, you know, the 300 plus options. But I kind of had a change of heart with the Series X. So one of the wonderful things they offer as a new console owner is, and probably just, I assume, when you sign up for Game Pass for the first time ever, is you get a one-month trial for a a dollar. One dollar. You can't beat that price. I mean, yeah, even if you're not a fan of Game Pass or that type of gaming, a dollar is nothing. Oh my gosh, yeah. When even $15 a month is... Netflix, basically. Well, yeah, but... For Game Pass, I would say is pretty generous given the number of games that are available. And so I had such a blast spending at least an hour or two combing through the list of however many games are available currently on Game Pass. And I felt like every time I'd get to the bottom of the list, I'd scroll all the way back up and comb through it again. And each time I do it, I'd find another game that I missed the first time. You can add games to your play later queue, which is basically just a reminder where you don't install it yet, but these are games that you're interested in maybe installing later. And I installed about a dozen games. I installed Tunic, a couple indie games, and their indie selection is phenomenal. So many greats like the Ori games, Hades, um, some of the more recent games that have come out like uh, Sable and uh, just a number of different games that... um, Again, I probably wouldn't uh, traditionally buy myself, but as the Game Pass mantra and marketing scheme of it has been since day one is like, well, I wouldn't buy that, but I guess I'll try it on Game Pass. Yeah, I have, a, I have a question about indie games. What At what point does an indie game become a mainstream game? Because when I think of like Hades or Ori, I think at this point they've kind of ascended that like more fringe Audience that you would generally think of like indie games. Because, I mean, Hades was, what, elected for Game of the Year two years ago? A year ago? Yeah, but I don't think a game that's developed independently should impact its ability to be up for a Game of the Year nomination. Yeah, no, I mean, like, is indie purely based off of, or that distinction based off of the development team's size? Or is it based off of the notoriety and the scale of, like, the response? I think it's certainly more the former. I think okay. it's more around the size of the team compared to, and it, you also have to think too that um, games are developed by a particular team and then they're published by a different team. Not always, but oftentimes games, a game publisher and a game developer are two different things. And so if a game is developed by a smaller team and published by someone like EA, uh, our folks over on IndieQuest were recently talking about this, um, it takes two. Can you classify It Takes Two as an independent game? Well, even if it was developed by a somewhat smaller team, it had a crazy large budget, and it was published by EA. Yeah. So can you consider It Takes Two as an indie game? I probably would not. No. Okay. It's a fine line. I don't think there's like a one-size-fits-all. If you have 10 people on your team, you're indie. If you have 11, no. I mean, I don't think it's that cut and dry. Okay. There's yeah, nuance. What to about it. the um, Kena? Would Kena be? Oh, absolutely. Ember Labs is an independent studio for sure. Okay, but then published and bought by Sony, and then no, it was exclusive to to Sony platforms, but it was not published by Sony. Okay, just I don't funded. believe so. Were they funded by Sony to get a bigger team to then produce it? 
Because it was originally two brothers, and then it went up to 14. Something like that, yeah. 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 It's an interesting uh, conversation. Find out next week. Ryan and I are going to do a deep dive on what makes (laughs) an indie game. (laughs) The philosophical argument of indie games. That's right. Come back next week for that discussion. But uh, but yeah, so I downloaded a number of games. And of course, Ryan, if you had to guess three must-download games at all times for Rusty on the Series X, what would they be? Games that I want to be able to dip into at any time. Actually, we'll bump that number up to five. Play a little Jeez. guessing game here. Uh, well, Perfect Dark. That's one. Uh, for really most of Rare products. Yeah. Well, let's take Rare Replay out of it because okay. Rare Replay is kind of cheating where that's like 30 games. So what Fair are enough. just five games? Some of them could be within the Rare Replay library. Ukulele? I feel like that's no, no. Didn't install that. Didn't install that yeah, one yet. The game sucks. Yeah. Who would who would play that one? Wouldn't recommend it. Um, Tunic. No, no. These are five comfort food games for Ari Lewis, two thousand eleven. Hmm. Banjo Kazooie. That's number two. All right, that's a good one. Yeah, Perfect Dark. Banjo Kazooie. Uh. Gears of War. No, nope, <laughs> no. You gotta at least get the third. Okay. Uh. I don't think any of the Halos would be on your comfort food. Uh, fuck. What else do you like? You've got, what, two platformers? Or, or a shooter and a platformer right now. Yeah, perfect. Like, what does Rusty always talk about with music and games, atmosphere, exploring? Well, it's really basically anything Grant Kirkhope. Okay. Well, let's think beyond Grant for a second. All right. So we got Perfect Dark and Banjo-Kazooie. We've got, like, the N64 era down at okay. that point. Okay. So thinking beyond that, what's... What's a world that Rusty loves to get lost in? The ambient soundtracks of a particular mm, that dude? was just bought by Microsoft, probably Oblivion. There it is. Yeah, Oblivion. Anything. Uh, There's number three. There's yeah. number three. The other two games that are I would certainly deem my comfort food, and I'm so excited to be able to dip into when I'm in that kind of gaming fatigue, not really sure what to play, is Star Wars Battlefront Two. On the OG Xbox, Hell okay? Yeah. We don't need any of that new Battlefront 2 nonsense. Yeah, who wants graphics? Yeah, come on. Screw dice. <laughs> Moss Eisley, all right, heroes versus villains. Let's get oh, it going. So good. And then the fifth and final game is a game I pump probably 80 to 100 hours in most years, Madden. Okay. And I was surprised yeah. to see Madden 22 already on Game Pass. So I installed that. I've been playing. I uh, actually the first game that I played yesterday was Madden. I'm not surprised. Not to try to not to check out the graphical fidelity of anything like that. I was just, um, yeah, I just wanted to play some Madden and I wanted to uh, listen to some Spotify tunes in the background. I mean, 21 or 2021, you played a lot of that, especially at your old apartment or when you had an apartment, you were on there most nights. Yeah. Yeah. So outside of that, I also installed New Super Lucky's Tale. Um, I installed Firewatch. I installed Peggle. Hell yeah. You need some Peggle action going on. <laughs> Such um, a good game. Gears of War Ultimate, which we'll get into when we talk about the games we've been playing recently. Uh, a couple other games. But yeah, it's just so nice to be able to have this library of games. And even when I get that, like, I don't know what to play. There's too many offerings here. Just pop in some Perfect Dark. Play yeah. some Banjo-Kazooie. Play some Oblivion. Start a new character while you wait. Or while you figure out what you yeah, want to play Yeah, I'm glad next. the uh, Perfect Dark had the music. That would have been really depressing to get the Xbox and then... Dude, I about lost my shit. So when you came over last night, yeah, I was like, hey, I'm going to play a couple levels in Perfect Dark, the campaign, just because I want to 
I just want to relive some great memories. Yeah. Right? And so I get to, I boot it up. I'm like, Ryan, sit down. Just right? wait for this bass drop. It's and gonna, I was like, all right, I love bass drops. And then. It's going to blow your mind. <laughs> and so I boot it up and it starts. And everyone who's played Perfect Dark knows. You get that N64 logo that kind of circles and then the perfect dark logo comes up and it's like like this crazy sound effect and then you go to the uh the title screen where joanna's typing on a little computer in the uh the villa and then it's like and there's like a crazy ass you know song plays and it wasn't there. I was yeah, like, it was literally just the keyboard sound of me like just typing away. I was like this is uh, not as good as I thought you like you hype it up to be. So what the fuck? <laughs> so I was typing on Reddit and I was trying to find out what was going on, like because the music wasn't there and the people had reported that um, for whatever reason the music was stripped from their version too. So I was like, wait a second, Microsoft owns Rareware. How in the world would they lose the licensing rights for this music? And so I just quit the game out. And restarted it, and the music was there. Yeah, the the uh, basically pull out the cartridge, breathe in it, and then like put it back in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yes, yeah, so we can just get into it, Ryan. Let's talk about the games that we have been playing recently. Uh, get on the Series X front, and then we'll kind of circle back to stuff like Elden Ring here in a second. So, right. one of the things I was most impressed with with um, Perfect Dark, this kind of remaster of sorts, was I never played it when it came to the Xbox Live Arcade for 360. Yeah, back in the day. And so to replay it now and just to see how crisp the graphics look and how clean it looks, because the N64 is notorious for its very, you know, Vaseline smeared across the screen, very Play-Doh or uh, Play-Doh like graphics at times. Um, It just a lot of games really haven't uh, stood the test of time, graphically speaking, on the N64. Yeah. But this remaster looked really, really nice. Yeah, it's way crisper. I mean, we pulled up, or you pulled up a guide and just comparing the faces of like Joanna and some of the supporting cast. It's night and day. Now, granted, while the faces look a lot nicer, there's no emotion going on in the They're face. They're terrifying. It's literally just a a single expression pasted on this person's body yeah so that's a little weird and jarring but um again it was so fun to play those opening few levels of perfect dark and you know you better believe it that uh when ryan leaves tonight i'll be playing some combat simulator and drinking some dew (laughs) so uh so that was really great to revisit that i played a little star wars battlefront 2 as well which is always fun to revisit playing some maps in that game and then uh you and i we're looking for a game to play co-op. Yeah. Squad up. And uh, unfortunately, Halo 5 and Halo Infinite does not have local co-op right now. Which on, is Halo. kind of I mean, mind-boggling to me. That's their foundation. Like Halo 1 through 3, I think, are the golden eras of Halo. For sure. 4 had split-screen co-op. And then, like, I just... It pissed me off in college. We were going to sit down and just power through Legendary. And it just... I had to have a separate Xbox and... Yeah. And then Infinite's, like, far worse. Mm-hmm. But. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll get to Infinite eventually. Um, I'm sure that update's coming here. Yeah, I think they said soon. in the next phase they're trying to get it in, um, but there's no real roadmap. Mm-hmm. So maybe this next phase or the following. 
Okay. Well, I mean, no worries. I have plenty of stuff to play, and you and I have the entire Gears of War series to go through. That's true. So we yeah. downloaded Gears of War Ultimate. I'm not going to go into all of it, but my word, did I have a hell of a time trying to connect a second controller for Ryan to sign in using his Xbox account to join so we could play split screen. I think we spent as as long as it took to install the game on my Xbox, which was about 20 minutes. It was longer than that because it was going like... It was going really slow at the start. Mm -hmm. It took us at least 30 minutes of just rage to at least get my profile in, which we got it into your Xbox. It was getting it to show up in the lobby without switching out the two profiles. It it just, it was infuriating. Which, once we figured out the solution, it was pretty simple. But to not have a workaround process and for it to be as, like, specific, like, you have to do it this way... It w- yeah, it was a very specific order. So, like, we loaded in my profile and both controllers were on. And that was the issue. You had to load in your con- er, profile, turn off the second controller, then have the first profile loaded on the first controller, then turn on the second controller, then connect it. And it's like, why? Why? Like, it should... Ha- you have one uh, profile connected to the second controller. It should just address it or see it's there because it literally said we're both signed in. It just wouldn't address it within the game itself. Yeah, I miss the old days of literally just connecting my second N64 Plug controller <laughs> and just my second buddy just playing there. Yeah. You know, it'd be a lot easier, a lot easier back then. But uh, regardless, Ryan, we finally got squatted up. We finally started Gears of War playing through the campaign on co-op. We were kind of dis- uh, we weren't really sure because you and I aren't as familiar with Gears as we are with Halo. Yeah. And we can't play Halo without playing on Legendary. Yeah, it's the only way to play. Only way to play. And then with Gears of War, I wasn't really sure if we should play on Insane, which is the Legendary equivalent, yeah. or Hardcore, which is the, the, the next step down in difficulty. And I thought, man... I don't want to just rage for the next three hours. Let's just play on hardcore and see how that is. And we were kicking ass. Yeah. I mean, me, I think of the Gears of War series as like a harder experience. Yeah. Um, And then we also looked up on like a forum, like, should we play in hardcore or insane? And it said like, this game's the least fun, mostly because of the bad AI in the first game. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we didn't know if like how good us as AI <laughs> or our intelligence is uh, able to shoot um, the enemies. So, yeah, we ended up going with hardcore, which, yeah, we were definitely kicking ass. Like, I, I think we could have done insane. So maybe if we make it through this game, I also didn't want to kill the final boss in that train on insane. Because I remember him being a pain in the ass. Would have been like, tough. I, uh, train final bosses or big bosses are so annoying just because of how tiny the corridors are mm-hmm. like um in uncharted 2 one of the close to the end final bosses is just this bulky dude similar to gears and like i remember even on i think i played on normal the first time i played it being just so annoyed by that fight mm-hmm. um but yeah i think the second gears of war would be fun to play on insane oh no yeah i'm, I'm definitely with you on that one and i'm just excited to kind of go through the series in general because I only played the first game with my buddy. We co-opted on Insane on the 360 shortly after release. But outside of that, I played a little bit of Gears of War 2 in Horde mode. Okay. But outside of that, like, the story is completely foreign to me. I don't know what happens. There's like six Gears of War games at this point. (laughs) I think you have 
Gears of War 1 through 5. Then there's Gears of War Judgment. So And Tactics. And Tactics as well. Yeah, yeah. plenty of games. They're all on Game Pass. So um, over the next couple of months, you and I can just kind of power through that series. It's going to be fun. Yeah, I, I really like the concept when it came out. I think I played through maybe the first one um, of the Horde uh, or the Locust coming from underground. It is really neat. Um, yeah. It's very like a similar to Resistance style. Basically Resistance on Xbox. PS3. Or, well, this is like resistance, oh, but on Xbox is what yeah, Gears of yeah. War is. Well, it's so weird too when the 360 launched. I can't remember if Gears of War was a launch title or a near launch title. I think it was maybe near launch. I think it was near. And then Resistance, I think, was a, was launch, a launch title, title. for PS3. Yeah. It's amazing how similar um, those series were that catered to, I guess, different audience for different console owners. But I remember many of my friends getting the PS3 for Christmas. For like, you know, when it was like six, seven hundred dollars or however much the console <laughs> yeah. was. And many of them returned their PS3s to get the 360 when Gears came out. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, I think of Resistance as more of like a perfect dark when it comes to the guns. It's mm-hmm. not like more. I mean, besides the Hammer of Dawn, it doesn't have too many unique guns as Gears of War. It's more like normal military stuff. But then you get the Resistance, which is more to that sci-fi like shoot through walls Mm -hmm. like craziness yeah 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 i remember gears being huge back in high school it's definitely a product of its time though like just these giant burly meatheads doing meat stuff (laughs) (laughs) some of the dialogue is so ridiculous alpha beta we gotta hit the thing with the the, the guns and the bullets and the you know you like meat i like meat you work out coal I'm the cold train. It's like, wh- wh- what? <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Like, screw plot. We yeah. got thick heads and no necks. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically Gears of War. Yeah, so. it's so ridiculous. But uh, it's a lot of fun to play co-op for sure. You're definitely not there for the, you know, deep storytelling. You're just there to shoot things and the cover-based mechanics of it all. So, um so yeah, that was fun. Uh, outside of that, we really didn't play much more on on Xbox last night. So I'll kind of toss things back over to you, Ryan. What else did you play this week? Uh, really, besides that, I mean, I had some Minecraft while I was watching Dune. Um, Dune is a great movie. I picked it up. I For some reason, I thought it was still in theaters, but time must have freaking flown by because it came out in November and like the, the Blu-ray's been out since January. So it was wow. like, wow. it's one of the ones I wanted to see in theaters, never got around to it. Um, but really glad I picked it up. Um, it's definitely worth watching. It, it's great, and I, I hope they continue with the series and make a trilogy. Or I don't. I think there's a lot of books for the series. Mm-hmm. Um, I downloaded the first one in, on Audible mid last year, but like the intro to it, I'm like, there's such a learning curve on all these new names, like going into such a big series, and they're more sci-fi names than like Rohan. Or, like, the Nazgul. This is, like, space stuff. Yeah. Um. So, it was just, like, a huge learning curve throwing plot at you in the first chapter. So, seeing, watching Dune, the visuals are just amazing. The cast is killer. The action's great. Um, yeah. It, definitely worth seeing. Nice. Um. Yeah. So, I played Minecraft during that, just working on my world. And then Elden Ring was basically the, the other big one. You old credits yet? No, not yet. I've I've just been screwing around, killing bosses. I made um, a few different characters before I realized that 
I could do what Devil May Pi did or Blink did, which is like the save reloading. <coughs> so what I'll probably do, I have two accounts or two characters in the same place, which is basically two or three bosses before the credits. Um, it's both set to different endings. So I should be able to knock it out sometime in the next couple weeks, but I'm not in a huge hurry to finish it. I, I mean, I've had so much fun playing through making new builds making new characters like i feel like wrapping up the final credits i'm like closing the bookend yeah. like I, I don't want it to end kind of thing yeah for sure um so yeah I've, I've had fun just making new characters doing bosses that like i've gone back to in the end game that i missed mm -hmm. and like steamrolling but oh, like yeah. actually getting the experience in the first couple zones at the recommended level has been a lot of fun nice Good stuff, good stuff. Well, I also played Elden Ring this week. You know, if you've listened to previous episodes, you knew that Rusty had a lot of fatigue with open worlds, and I still wanted that Souls experience, so I went through and played Demon Souls Remake on PS5, really enjoyed my time with that, but I was hungry for more. So I paid, I played Bound by Flame, which after about <laughs> five hours, I said, I don't really ever want to play this game again. So I never finished that, um, but I went to the next best thing, Bound by Flame 2. Cool. <laughs> Not really. Not really. I uh, I started Elden Ring, which I had started previously. I played about an hour of it, yeah. and uh, I was like, this is way too overwhelming. But I was like, Ryan, help me get to the first boss, which is, I know, hearsay to say something like that with, with uh, the, the listeners out there. Like, why in the world would you ruin the Elden Ring experience right at the start? By having someone help you. The whole purpose of it is kind of fumbling your way through, getting that first boss, getting completely wrecked, and then finding a way to beat that boss and then going forward from there. But I was like, Ryan, you know what? I need uh, the help. Help me get an item. Help me get a lantern so I can navigate caves and stuff like that. Yeah. You help me do all that. I got to the first boss. I beat the first boss. And I was like, all right, Ryan, no more help. I'm just going to wander, explore get lost, die a lot, trial and error, and try to find my way through this game myself. And I spent the next 30 to 40 hours without any help from you and just went through and was trying to find all sites of grace, um, finding all of the catacombs and hidden dungeons and stumbling into areas I probably shouldn't have been and backtracking to level up a little bit. And doing that, again, it's the best way to play Elden Ring in really any of the Souls games, but Elden Ring to the nth degree where you don't know where you're supposed to go next and you just get on your horse and ride. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it's great. I could see the world being overwhelming at the beginning. Like I spent I maybe the first eight hours without killing a boss, just riding around the world, just seeing how vast it is and then seeing like half the map kind of clouded and being like, Am I only like halfway through the map just after eight hours of purely just riding around on a horse, like not fighting anything? Um, but yeah, the exploration's fantastic. It's um, so good. And I, I mean, I was worried that if you were looking at like a guide for Sites of Grace or like bosses that it would ruin the experience. But I mean, with most open world games, it's how you want to play and what you find the most joy in playing. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there's... I want to say there was like 200 bosses on the list I was looking at. And so much of this game is missable. You have Elden Lords that are missable, like very missable. 
and not required. So yeah, it's really however you want to play. And as long as you're having fun, that's kind of the main requirement <laughs> or like what I uh, wish for you to when you're playing this for sure well, when after the taylor hawkins news i was just like in a vegetative state for like three days and so to be able to just wander around elden ring without any like primary objective yeah you know i loved um horizon forbidden west i love my ubisoft assassin's creeds now especially these new ones and origins and valhalla your skyrims your oblivions you're constantly overwhelmed in those games though with notifications and side quests and you walk past an npc and five more quests get added to your you know quest log and all these things and i just needed a world to wander around without needing to accomplish anything or without being slapped across the face everywhere everywhere i turned that i had things i needed to do Right. Yeah. And to your point, there's so much of this game that's missable and how it's kind of in the state where that was OK for me. Like if I miss these things, I'm not worried about it. I'll backtrack and get that stuff later. But I think what's been most surprising for me, um, you know, I've played a lot of open world games. I just rattled off a bunch of them. And in my open world games, I expect there to be lots of side quests, lots of dungeons you run into and find lots of NPCs to interact with. And I've also beaten just about every Soulsborne game with the mm -hmm. exception of Sekiro. Yeah. And with those games, I expect really challenging bosses and I expect to grind lots of souls um, and kind of just that type of experience. I expect those ingredients to be there. Yeah. What's crazy about Elden Ring is you see a smattering of the ingredients that you'd expect to find in open world games with side quests, with dungeons, with NPCs. And it has a lot of the elements that you'd expect from your Soulsborne games, but how it still feels so refreshingly new and different, like, and I'm 50 plus hours in, Yeah, is just mind boggling. Yeah. And you've only killed what, three Elden Lords? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's just like the start of the game. Like, yeah, it's, it's massive. I can think of like maybe seven side quests. Two of which being big, like spanning most of the game. Like there, there are side quests and they're very missable. Um, but I like the response of them, like the critique of not having stuff on the map where you can see NPCs and things. And like they're like, all right, we'll add that for you guys. And it's not like, hey, we're gonna curve curb the difficulty at your request. We'll make it more accessible for map purpose, which is the first game we have a map. Mm -hmm. So like. They are kind of trying to find a good middle ground, um, but yeah, it's a very much a very a good blend between the normal open world games and like a Souls. It's I really like their take because I I think originally when they mentioned it, it's like our FromSoft take on an open world, mm -hmm. and it, it, they've done a great job. They really have, but I mean, it it feels like it's an open world game specifically for adults because there's yeah. very little handholding. And you, to your point about side quests, like. And I'm not really spoiling anything here. I won't go into the finer details of the quest itself. Um, it was advertised on, on many of the trailers and people have talked about it in reviews. But there's this giant pot yes. named Alexander who's stuck in the ground. And you help him get out of the ground and you start talking to him. And all he really tells you is, yeah, I'm going to go to this place in the um, the west where there's lava. And it's like, well, well that could be anywhere. Like it's, it doesn't yeah. flag anything on your map to say, go to this specific spot. It just says go west. And it's like, you're like horizon where it's like, you're this many meters and it slowly counts down to your next to the person. Yeah. It's it, like, Hey, 
there's some hot stuff around me. That could be like an entire region or like section of a map with multiple layers within that area. It's like, all right, <laughs> guess we're going to ride around for six hours trying to find a fucking pot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. But um, it the, the great thing about that, though, is in kind of its directionless um, quest lines and stuff like that. It always rewards you for your efforts. Yeah, I mean, like Alexander, I loved Alexander, and I made maybe three characters that I brought to the end game, and I missed out on all of them. Like, it's a very missable quest, and his final, like, thing, he gives you an item that's really good for the build I'm doing. So I made a new character, went through all the quests, and I got him. Like, this is awesome. But then I realized I missed something else, like a talisman slot, because I never talked to this other person, which I thought it was just given to me. Stupid assumption in a FromSoft game. But, like, they're missable, and they're really rewarding. They are. There's so much to find. Yep, yep. So I'm really enjoying my time with it. I'm at about 50 hours I'm I'm not putting it down entirely, but I needed a break. The Series X came at a great time. Uh, but kind of in the midst of that Elder Ring playing, I picked up a, a game on sale a while back. I didn't get it at launch. I know there's a lot of excitement around it because there hasn't been a game in this series in quite some time. And that's Panzer Dragoon, the remake that came out on pretty much every platform. Uh, it was a game that originally came out, I believe, on the Sega Saturn. You had Panzer Dragoon, the first one, which I think was a launch title here in North America on the Saturn. There was a second game, and then there's Panzer Dragoon Saga, which is like a $1,000 game on the Saturn. Really, really expensive RPG. But the first game was the perfect pick-up-and-play game kind of experience that I needed in between Elden Ring uh, and some of the other games that I'm playing. The long and short of it, it's basically an on-rails arcade shooter where you play as this dragon. You're going down a predefined pathway You move up, down, left, right to kind of dodge all these enemies that are coming on screen and you just kind of just spam this um, VX button to shoot lasers at the incoming enemies. Yeah, I mean, the only similar experience I could think of would be like the Spyro kind of cart levels where you're trying to do stuff. Oh, yeah, a little bit Um, like that. Or like, what was that one? Was it Lair? That one dragon oh, yeah, flying Oh, yeah, on PS3. Game. Yeah, that was jank because it used motion controls. Yeah, the six axis. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I watched you play, like, I think a portion of a level. And it looks like a good mindless kind of get out of the craziness of this week kind of game. Yeah, you know, and I never played the original on Saturn. I don't think I've ever played anything on the Sega Saturn. Um, but Panzer Dragoon, the remake itself, it looks really nice graphically. Mm-hmm. I couldn't compare it to the original just because, again, I've never played it. I haven't seen footage of it. Um, I'm also not sure if the music has also been um, remade, but it sounds really nice, especially that first opening level. And it takes like an hour and a half to beat. It's super short. Um, I did some kind of trophy grinding on it and beat it like three or four times. And it was just a nice game to kind of play at the end of the day, have a Twitch stream up and kind of just power through the game a couple of times, get some trophies and uh, play a fun arcade game. Very nice. Nice did way to you, mix thing up. Did you end up getting the platinum, or like it was a playtime trophy you were working on? <sighs> yeah, there's you know there's certain trophies Ryan that will prohibit me from ever getting the platinum, or certainly will stop me from ever even trying or attempting the platinum. One of them being in a game like Elden Ring or Skyrim, a game that's like twenty plus hours. Yeah. If I have to beat it multiple times, 
if difficulty trophies don't stack or if there's difficulty trophies at all, those things tend to get me away from trophy hunting. What uh, what about save manipulation in Elden Ring? That's fine. Okay. If there's workarounds. If you can cheat. <laughs> no, yeah. If there are workarounds, absolutely. Okay. I, I The reason I say that is because to offset some of Rusty's less prestigious platinums, I'm trying to convince him to get a FromSoft platinum. And I think Elden Ring is the most accessible by... You can do it all in one playthrough, more or less, by mm-hmm. beating side bosses and things. So yeah, no, I'm definitely down to do it. Peer pressure him into him, into it in the Discord. You don't got to peer pressure me for trophies. <laughs> all you gotta do is ask. All you gotta do is ask. Uh, but Pandora Dragoon remake the platinum for that. And again, in a game that you can beat in an hour, there is a trophy that requires you to play the game for 100 hours. Yeah. It's- what is 100 hours, though? I mean, <laughs> in, Elden in Panther Ring, Dragoon, it's a lot. In Elden Ring, it feels like, you know, 20 hours. In yeah. Panther Dragoon, it would seem like a literal lifetime. Is, so, there, is there a way around that where you just keep your... That's a lot of electricity. I don't want to keep my PS5 on for 100 hours just to get a fucking trophy. Yeah, that's fair. I'm not doing it. So um, I already deleted the game or uninstalled it from the PS5. Like, I, I'm totally fine to have a game at 90%. Listen. I've already got Mega Mind at 93% on PS3 <laughs> because I couldn't beat the last boss without dying. All right. No shame in that. I'll leave it there. I cry a little bit at night. Don't worry about it. All right. I'll get over it. But Panzer Dragon Remake, really good fun. Uh, I wouldn't, you know, encourage people to, you know, pay more than, you know, 10 or so bucks for it because, again, you can beat it pretty quickly. And unless you have a lot of affinity for the earlier games on the Saturn, probably not worth uh, paying a hefty price for it. But the last game. I will talk briefly about, because I really have not played much of it, given my recent obsession with Elden Ring, is my most anticipated game coming into 2020. One of Nintendo's flagship series, a character I absolutely adore. If I had to rank my Nintendo characters, my boy Yosh is at the top, and Kirby is coming in at number two. Oh, yeah. And Kirby in the Forgotten Land does everything I wanted it to Even though I've only spent an hour with the game, I can't wait to see what's beyond that hour. You're greeted with one of the best opening cinematics in a Nintendo game I can remember in recent memory. Wow. They go straight anime, JRPG, Studio Ghibli film with its opening cinematic. There's this terrific song that plays. Kirby's running around looking all cute. You have this montage of all kinds of fun little things going on with Kirby hopping around. It's amazing. Mm. And that could have been the game. I could have paid $60 for that. Would have been perfectly content. (laughs) Maybe a little disappointed. But but no, it's exactly as you might expect. Of course, they tease Kirby and the Forgotten Land as being the first 3D platformer adventure starring our little Kirby friend. And it's, it's not 3D platformer in the sense that I would expect from a Mario Galaxy or Mario Odyssey is probably the better comparison um, even your more open world games like ukulele where you have like an overworld that you can literally wander around and find secrets in. Yeah. It's very level focused and it's far more similar to your Mario 3D world, your Mario 3D lands where yes, you're in this kind of isometric 3D level, but it's pretty linear. Okay. You know, all yeah. things considered. But even still, you have everything you'd expect from your exploration platformers like this, where 
you wander around every nook and cranny, you find lots of hidden collectibles. Um, the really fun and unique thing about this game too is that each level has little submissions, like saving little, these little waddle Ds mm. or finding, you know, five or six of a particular item. Like I was in one mission where it was, you know, eat the food off of five picnic tables. And so you had to find little snacks on like five picnic tables over the course of a level, uh, which is really fun. So that's been nice music um, so far. I wouldn't say I'm, I'm like wowed by it, but I'm, it's certainly noticeable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, certainly tap my foot to it type of deal. It's really Are catchy. there unique songs per level? I mean, Yoshi's Crafted World is the one that we bring up as really crappy music. Or I wouldn't say really crappy music is all the songs kind of sounded the same or a variation of the same song. They definitely put a lot more effort into the soundtrack for this game. Okay. Yeah. The other complaint I had with Yoshi's Crafter World is you could have blindfolded me and I could have pressed right on the controller and gotten to the end without dying. Yeah. That is not the case with Kirby and the Forgotten Land. I'm not saying this is the Celeste of Nintendo games. Like, this is not going to, you know, you're not going to rage quit. You're not going to throw your controller at the screen. But who in their right mind is ever coming to a Kirby game expecting that level of challenge? Right? I wouldn't. More recently, you know, we've complained about them being far too easy. I would say there's two difficulty levels in this game. I'm playing on the hardest and hardest again being a relative term with a Kirby game. But, you know, it's 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 got some challenge there, you know, again. More so than like a Mario game because I think our complaint of the Mario games at least that we've played is you jump on something three times and it's you win the game. I mean that's just the Nintendo way. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not like that- it's a fucking Dark Souls boss coming out with <laughs> Yeah, three, I guess I've been playing like Ori's Three and stuff. phases and, you know, no, there's none of that going on. Um, like orchestrals, like screaming in the background. Yeah. No. No, but I mean, it, it's got a nice blend of challenge. Um, okay. But again, I'm not really there for the Kirby games for that level of challenge. I'm there for more just the experience of sucking up the enemies, getting all the fun power-ups, powering my way through and collecting everything in sight. So all of that is there in abundance and I'm looking forward to playing more. Again, I'm only an hour in. I beat the first world boss, if you will. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to play more in the future. Is it satisfying to gain all those powers? I remember, I can't remember which game I've played, but I remember I love the idea of being able to get other people's powers. Oh, yeah. Like a sword or like flames and stuff. Yeah. So you have all those, you know, traditional Kirby power-ups where, you know, you have the little Link sword, you have your bomb arms, you can throw little bombs, um, you can breathe fire, you can breathe ice. And then when you move around, you're on your little ice skates. All those (laughs) cute little touches are certainly there. The other thing I'll kind of commend the game for too, is that one of the most disappointing things in a Kirby game is when you have to give up a power-up in an effort to get another one. One of the other kind of, I would say, gimmicks of Kirby and the Forgotten Land is the super power-ups where you can turn into a car or you can turn into a vending machine (laughs) or you can turn into this giant cone. The neat thing is that you don't have to give up your base power-up like your bomb bombs or breathing fire to get one of those super power-ups. Oh, that's nice. So you can get the super power-up in addition to your base one. And normally the the super power-ups like your car or like your cone – is in order to do a quick puzzle hmm. where you have these enemies around the ground that look like the the cement somewhat broken. So you get a cone, you jump up and smash down to break the cone or to break the cement to get through like a, you know, a hole or whatever. Similar to like the more gimmicky stuff of what's that uh, 
Is that PlayStation 5 game uh, that came with the console? How in the world are you ever going to forget Astro's name? Because I didn't platinum it. <laughs> Dude. As, yeah, Astro. Like, similar to that. Like, you turn into a monkey to deal with the monkey puzzles. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that kind of stuff. So, it's all in good fun. It doesn't feel like they're just shoehorning stuff in there because they're out of ideas. Like, it feels fresh. It feels new and original. Um, and that's the most I can ask for from a Kirby game. It's definitely living the 3D name well. And uh, like I've said 12 times at this point, I'm looking forward to playing more. Yeah, I, I'm excited to hear your impressions as a Kirby fan because, I mean, I haven't played Kirby games in the past. I think maybe at the YMCA back in high school on a Game Boy Advance that I borrowed from someone. But, like, this one is the one that looked intriguing for me to, like, get into the series. So, yeah, if you're enjoying it, I'm I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely. So, more impressions of Kirby in the Forgotten Land and probably Elden Ring. Yeah. on the next couple of episodes. But Ryan, I'm ready to listen to some tunes. Oh, I am too. All right, so let's get into the main topic of the show, where we're going to be doing some memory of melodies, just fun songs that make us happy, Ryan. Let's get into it. Let's do it. So before we get into this main topic of the show, memory of melodies, some context for the listeners in case there's anyone new out there that's tuning in for the first time. But a couple months back, almost a year ago at this point, you and I kind of sat down, thought of some new segments for the show that we could do that kind of mix things up a bit, make things a little more more fun, if you will. And uh, this idea came from... Just the love of video game tunes. We often talk about them here in the show. We've often played clips of music on the show. And why not center an entire segment around that, but also kind of tie memories to those songs, why they're so special to us. And each time we do the segment, we try and center around a theme. So more recently for our Christmas holiday special, we did a segment where it was just songs that remind us of the holiday season. And before that, we did a Halloween segment where we listened to some tunes and jams from games that reminded us of the Halloween spooky season. Mm -hmm. And this time around, we thought, why not do a segment around spring or just songs that kind of remind us of happy times? You know, it can be kind of dreary here in the Midwest and depressing through those November through February months where it's super cold, gray skies. But now we're finally getting to see the sun a little bit getting some vitamin D occasionally. Yes. It's getting a little bit warmer. And so why not sprinkle in some tunes that kind of give us that same cozy, warm feeling? Yeah, and I'm I'm always game for some good tunes. Okay, so I think you have like 14 tracks we're going to listen to today. I do, Based yes. on this uh, thing. We're supposed to bring five. 
I try and start with a banger, end with a banger, and we have some, you know, decent tunes in between. Ryan's got an honorable mention. He's got five song B. He's got appendices <laughs> to each of the songs. He doesn't mess around in his preparation for the show. See, I call it extra credit. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you asked for five, and I gave you two more that weren't required, but just just add to the experience. Okay, well, we I can chop one. We can chop off the appendices. Okay, and we can just do the honorable mention. Yeah, I don't really uh, hand out gold stars around here, so there's not going to be any extra credit rewarded here. But that's fair. I'll give you a high five for prep preparing okay. for the show. <laughs> I'll take what I can get. All right, so you got an honorable mention here. What are we starting with? Why is it special? Cue it up. Uh, so this is a song. I don't know if it was in the official game, but. You can never go wrong with Shrek 2 video game tunes. Oh, God. So if you just want to just play the song. All right. And uh, this one just just makes me so happy. So let's do it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) We are listening to some undisclosed song from Shrek 2, the video game, uh, based on the DreamWorks animated hit. Let's take a listen. Come on, come on, I wanna hear you whisper. 
I'll tell you what, man, I'm in love with that song. All right. Counting Crows, definitely one of my go-to bands around the spring, summertime, because I feel like so much of their uh, discography really, I mean, a lot of it's very melancholy because Adam Duritz, the lead singer, has written some pretty um, sad and somber songs over the years. But songs like this definitely give you those feelings of summer, give you those feelings of spring, and definitely bring a, a little smile to my face, especially because it reminds me of that opening nonsensical montage of Shrek 2 where they're just making references to all of those pop culture films or all those films. Yeah. Like Lord of the Rings and The Little Mermaid and um, Spider-Man. And there's all kinds of references. No, there. it's a great sequence. Um, yeah, this one just makes me happy. It's upbeat. I feel like as an honorable mention trying to squeak extra songs and this was an acceptable one hey dude i'm never gonna turn away counting crows music and uh, i will also say for the listeners ryan tends to really push the boundaries of the songs that are included in these segments and and i'm here for it you know we've got some techno songs probably on the way we have some techno songs represented uh in previous episodes and stay tuned because we'll be listening to the hyrule temple theme here pretty soon from (laughs) smash brothers melee we tend to listen to it every single time I think I accidentally played her twice. Um, Yeah, for this one, I was just thinking of songs that make me happy. I have kind of my own like music YouTube playlist. Um, And it's funny how divided it is depending on what I'm feeling like mood wise, Mm -hmm. genre. So like I go through a 90s kick or I go through like a hard rock kick. Um, But this is one of those ones that was randomly slipped in there that just, yeah, something upbeat and something that uh, makes you feel like the weather's getting warmer oh for sure frolic for sure oh yeah become shrek and throw a mermaid into sharks what a a dream of a reality that would be yeah i always wanted to be an ogre yeah um well let's actually cue up your first one because i really would love to end on my fifth song um and i think the 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 ordering would work out that way so what are we queuing up as your true number one track here okay so my true one um, this is from a series I don't have a ton of experience with. Um, I think the first time I played it with you was New Year's Eve a couple years ago. Um, and then we played it a bit on our Colorado trip. Um, and that's Mario Party. Oh. Um, so this is the okay. theme song for Super Mario Party. Oh, okay. Um, it, it just gives me the kind of the atmosphere of, I you know, the little terrace kind of band area in downtown Kind of that four sections in our town. Oh, yeah, yeah, Where you yeah. got a terrace, you got some overhead kind of sphere land lit, or lights. You kind of got a bar area and a place for bands to play with everyone kind of sitting outside in that 70-degree weather with a breeze. And it's kind of what this song gives me that impression of. Okay, cool. Let's let's queue it up. Let's get some Mario Party going on. We know, Rusty, big fan of the Mario Party, <laughs> especially those N64 Mario Party games for sure, but let's let's cue this up. Let's listen to some Super Mario Party main theme. You said yes. All right, let's get into it.
Um, so I'm a huge fan of jazz music. Got the br- uh, brass instruments in there. Um, I love strings as well, but I mean, the saxophone and kind of that upbeat jazz, you can't go wrong. I, oh, yeah. I think it's a great theme. For sure. You kind of kicked it off uh, really well by just saying, you know, when you're walking down the street and you have this band playing, kind of improvising their tunes, kind of playing off each other. I, I certainly get that feeling with that song. And you got some of the steel drum in the background, too. Yeah, you got some techno thrown in there just for good measure. Well, that's so. good. And I'm glad you brought that to, to my attention because normally game themes, especially the menu theme, would stick with me. And yeah. Super Mario Party just isn't doesn't do that for me. Yeah. Or I, I get the Mario Party names mixed up. I, th- I think Super Mario Party was the one that came out on Switch first. Mario Party Superstars, I think, is the newest one. Yeah, this is Super Mario Party. Yeah, Super Mario Party uh, was not very memorable to, memorable to me uh, as a game. It's okay. It's it's decent. But Mario Party Superstars is the real deal. But um, great tune. Yeah. Great tune. Way to kick us off. I love it. Uh, my first pick is also a Nintendo song. And, you know, in light of recent events, and by recent events, I mean... Kirby making his way to the 3D <laughs> landscapes. You've got to kick things off with a Kirby song. I've talked many times how the Kirby music uh, is bringing so much joy and just so many smiles to my face, dating back really to the N64 with Kirby Crystal Shards. I think last episode I played, um, for our Christmas episode, I played Shiver Star, mm-hmm. which is a great Kirby track. This one is also very memorable to me. Uh, it, it's it's in two games. Well, it's in almost every Kirby game because it's a reoccurring theme. But this particular rendition is from Kirby's Epic Yarn, which I originally played on the Nintendo Wii. And more recently, uh, and by recently, I mean the last like six or so years, it was ported to the 3DS. And I played this when we were in Alaska oh. and we got on that train for like, six to seven hours or whenever it was. it was like 12 hours. it was a long it was like train. 10 hours right yeah i thought i was exaggerating that memory but no it was long it was all day yeah it was like a 10 hour train ride to the port where we were going to get on the cruise ship yeah and go on the alaskan cruise and it was such a wonderful train you know excursion experience because you know you're seeing all kinds of wildlife i remember multiple times where there were bald eagles literally flying over the train kind of parallel with the movement of of the train yeah um and the neat thing about it, too, is that we had um, almost like skylights across the entire train. So you could see up above, obviously out the windows and all that stuff. Uh, but when you're on a 10-hour train ride, you got to whip out a portable console. Yeah. And what better console to whip out than the 3DS? Yeah, I think I was also rocking 3DS as well, playing some Pokemon. That's yeah. very unlike you. Very I, unlike you. I've never played a Pokemon game. It was my first. I hated it all. Yeah. Every experience. I think you were pretty deep into the shiny collecting at that point. Yeah. I, I think... I tried to put it on a back burner to enjoy myself <laughs> on the trip. And I think I was doing a challenge run of um, I think it was Sapphire. Ruby or Sapphire. Yeah, yeah, yeah Sapphire. Sapphire. I was doing a Nuzlocke. But mm. yeah, Def- Kirby's another good one. Yeah, but neither here nor there. So Kirby's Epic Yarn, this is just the happiest tune. And Kirby's Epic Yarn aesthetically is just ridiculously, absurdly, criminally adorable. Yeah. And the song that I have to queue up and play is green greens Mm. so why not take a listen ryan let's do it
I mean, if you weren't smiling during that song, yeah, I don't know what to say, man. Go out and get some sunlight or something. Yeah, no, it, it fits the aesthetic of Kirby's uh, yarn world so well. Just oh. the, like the flutiness and like the bouncy happiness of it. it it's, it's so great. Good. It's so good. Uh, love Kirby's Epic Yarn. Again, I played it on the Wii originally, and it was certainly with double dipping on the Nintendo 3DS. And one of the other things I love doing when we do this segment, Ryan... I, of course, have to share my personal memories yeah. with the song. And then I also love cherry-picking some comments from the YouTube video to see what other people like about this song. Why is it so special to others? And so I picked a couple comments for each of the games here, and I got three here for Kirby's Epic Yarn for Green Greens. This first person says, I will be playing this for my future children and tell them how much of an amazing experience this game was for me. I will never forget this game. It was my childhood. Thank you. You know, it's interesting. One of the reoccurring themes when reading these comments was how many people said how special this game was for their childhood. And it it certainly shows the age of the type of people that were playing this game because this game came out in like 2008, 2009. So people that were born in like, you know, 1998 2000 something like that but yeah. this would be a great game to look fondly back on you know if you played as a young kid yeah for sure um so anyways this next Games person says from a bygone era that's right 2008 <laughs> 2008 decades Oof. ago man belongs in a museum damn what a great game the memories of checking this out from my local library and playing it on my wii came rushing back to me this soundtrack is very nostalgic so much so that I get a track or two stuck in my head every once in a while. It's been a long, it's been so long since I've last played it. I hope I can play it again someday. And you should check it out on the 3DS. Get it before the prices get too crazy. This last person says, I must have completed this game well over 10 times as a kid. It was so good. And the soundtrack is just incredible. Man. Green Greens. What a great song. What a great song. Yeah, it brings me back to uh, this was one of the songs for one of the stages in Melee. Yeah, this is a very popular Kirby track. It's, I think, probably dating back to Kirby's Adventure on the NES. It's been in most of the Kirby games. Yeah, no, it's great. But the rendition for Epic Yarn is just terrific. No, yeah, it's definitely different than the Melee, and I I really like it. definitely fits the style. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, what are we queuing up second for you? All right. Uh, so I do have comments, but I had to switch from my computer, which sounded like a jet engine when I tried to pull up the Word document, it did, over yeah. to my phone. Um, so I'm not slacking here <laughs> on immersion on my songs. But, I never doubted you. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll read just my comments for one instead of for all five. Okay. Um, so this is my second song. And this game is a game that I used to play on the Game Boy Advance on all of the road trips my family used to take. Um, our, our family was really big into kind of historical, going to Kitty Hawk, going to the Henry Ford Museum, and kind of just exploring and learning. Um, but on those long trips, or even down to Disney World, but on those long trips, we'd have our Game Boys, Lauren would have her like little video thing. Um, and this is my kind of first iteration or first game in a series that is known for its amazing theme songs. Mm, okay. And this is uh, Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories oh, hell theme yeah. song. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So Chain of Memories on the GBA or <coughs> cue out some Kingdom Hearts music. Oh, yeah. All right. I love it. Let's take a listen. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so this one, I mean, I've heard this song so many times over the years. I played the shit out of Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories. Um, I know the card system isn't for everyone, um, but having I, I actually went back to Chain of Memories on the PlayStation on the remake of the 1.5 times 2.5 divided by three or 365 days or whatever the fuck. Um, but it wasn't the same not having the sprite models and having the full 3D everything. Um, this this one has a, I guess, fond place in my heart. Being able to play through all of Sora and then getting to play as Riku. And I think Riku's my favorite character. Um, I tend to lead lead or lean into the pro or antagonists more. Mm-hmm. Like Riku has more of a redemption arc or Vegeta in like Dragon Ball. They they have more progression. Um and then also this the art from Riku in this game is amazing. And it's actually what I based your Riku painting on was uh that Riku mm-hmm. art. But yeah, this this music's great. Listen to it for many hours, so I felt like it was a, a solid pick. I love it, dude. I'm never gonna argue with any Kingdom Hearts representation here in Memories of Melody. I mean considering we literally titled this segment based on the Kingdom Hearts rhythm game. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah, Chain of Memories. I, too, am not too fond of the card system. Well, I know you are. I'm, I'm kind of different than you in that sense. But still, getting Kingdom Hearts, Chain of Memories, I remember vividly getting it for Christmas, my mom getting it for me, and just ripping that open, that really slick. I have it over here in my Bright my silver. little my cabinet. Yeah. Um, the box for that with the glossy, shiny silverness of it all. Really, really slick box, but playing Kingdom Hearts portably. I mean, with Kingdom Hearts being my favorite game of all time, playing that game on the go was just such a game changer and, and life changing. You know, even if I wasn't very fond of the the, uh, the battle system. So, anyways, you know, maybe uh, maybe we can play Kingdom Hearts portably on the Switch someday, Ryan. Hopefully, not through online or whatever the crap they're trying to sell us right now. Through the cloud, I, through the sky. Yeah, I mean. I think, I don't know order-wise which one's my favorite three uh, themes. I don't really remember the theme song for number two, Kingdom Hearts 2, as much. But I would say maybe Kingdom Hearts 1, then either 3 or Chain of Memories would be my next favorite. Mm. And then up to number two. Yeah. But, Yokushimura just out there killing it with the Kingdom Hearts it. soundtracks for sure. Good stuff, Ryan. Well, my second pick... Speak of Yokoshimamura, I'm not sure if she composed this particular track because I know many composers worked on this game's soundtrack, but Ryan, two years ago, there was this thing that you might recall called the pandemic, COVID-19. I must have missed those two years because <laughs> I'm still in 2019. <laughs> still feels like it. It still yeah. feels like it for a lot of us. I think we can relate in that regard, but many of us needed an escape because most of us, the world was kind of quarantined. Yeah. Right? And Animal Crossing New Horizons came out on the Switch. Hell yeah, it did. Yeah, and you pumped like 10 to 15 hours into that. Yep. Every day. And <laughs> this was yeah. kind of my complimentary pandemic game to Animal Crossing. Okay. And that is Xenoblade Chronicles, oh, yeah. the definitive edition. I'd never played it on the Wii. I know Operation Rainfall, we got success when we got Xenoblade, Last Story, Pandora's Tower coming over here. But I never got around to playing Xenoblade. I don't really know why on the Wii, but I'm kind of glad that I waited to play it on the Nintendo Switch because I needed this type of a JRPG to play during the pandemic when Lauren and I and most people were kind of going nuts um, over the quarantine time frame. And so 
This song in particular is called Everyday Life. You know, Xenoblade, uh, both the first game and X and Xenoblade Chronicles 2 are kind of known for their explosive, intense battle music. Yeah. But then oftentimes contrasted with these really, really almost ambient, relaxing, comforting exploration and town music. And Everyday Life is certainly... Um, evidence of those more ambient, relaxing, chill tunes. And so if this doesn't get you cozy, if this doesn't feel make you feel relaxed, I don't know what will. Let's cue it up, Ryan. Let's listen to Everyday Life from Xenoblade Chronicles. Sounds good. Yeah, such a terrific track. And I correct myself, I hear, I see it here on YouTube. The composer and arranger was Manami Kiyota. Oh. So not Yokoshima Mora, but still a delightful track nonetheless. Ryan, what do you think about this one? No, it, it's really relaxing. And I mean, you have kind of the screenshot of what, I mean, from the game, but it does really feel like you're just running through these vast open fields. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's a massive game and it's... Uh, it definitely fits kind of that atmospheric tone that I was going for. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I have a couple of really great comments here, just two in particular. The second is very meaty, but I feel like does a wonderful job in explaining what this song means to them, but also maybe what the composer was going for. So let's let's read along here. This first person says, Life is intriguing. I spend my time alone playing game after game, watching video after video, 
But friendship is a wonderful, indescribable experience. One this song captures perfectly. I think that's accurate. This next person says, and I love this, it's very long, so bear with me here. This might just be one of the happiest songs in existence. Every positive emotion you can think of is represented. Represented. It's peaceful, relaxing, joyous, celebratory, heartwarming, and so much more. The melody is incredibly catching, this being a song I hum to in everyday life. The melody is one of the most iconic in a game to me, it being a song that I think of when I think of Xenoblade. The melody is too catchy not to find memorable. The instrumentation is also phenomenal. The flute on melody and piano with a counter melody, which gives the song a flair of uniqueness that gives it so many of these happy feelings. The percussion is equally good, if not better, giving the song an exotic kick that gives the song that extra boost of catchiness, as well as a lively yet equally peaceful feeling. Above all, this song sounds as the title implies, like everyday life. In the grand scheme of things, it's nothing special, yet it's still something you should savor, as it might not always be there. Enjoy the little nuances before they disappear. The fact that this simple, seemingly unimportant song can represent a theme so integral to the game is phenomenal composing, and that's not even the reason I love this song so much. Yeah, I don't think I could have said it better. I mean, it's crazy how much you can like kind of look into music. That's and everyone has a different interpretation, but like how deep into analyzing some songs and how they make you feel, and that's definitely a, a good summation of that. Yeah, no, I agree. I could not summarize my feelings towards the song anymore. That person did it perfectly. Xenoblade Chronicles, what a crazy good game. I cannot wait for Xenoblade Chronicles 3 later this fall. But Ryan, before Xenoblade 3 comes here, I think you got a third song to play. I do have a third song to play. Actually, I have like six more. on. (laughs) But yeah, my third song, this actually isn't from a game. This is the one I picked that wasn't from a game itself. Um, But in all of my lists, um, this is kind of the one that feels the most like spring to me okay uh it's called uh dear mattis by Gadalve or gal dive um and it really gives me the feel of like a 1920s kind of great gatsby kind of villa um with wide windows open and kind of the transition in the song going from like the slow kind of smooth winter feel into a more upbeat um spring feel like kind of that revival and growth okay um, as the song progresses so not from a video game this one not from a video game okay okay good stuff well let's take a listen then can close my Say, cause you 
So, yeah, that was um, kind of my spring song. I really like the, I mean, as you get the feel, I really like jazz as a spring genre. Um, and then it's got the normal, typical bass that I enjoy as well. So. Yeah, that is like a super duper mellow, chill music. <clears throat> it's not quite lo-fi, um, but it, it's got the same kind of feel to it. Yeah, no, I like it. It's good stuff. Um it's a long song, and I feel like it's kind of like the Return of the King, where it ended like three or four different times. So, <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have to find a way to edit that in a way that it kind of makes some sense. But uh, so anyways, you'll, you'll have heard that editing, so hopefully it sounded good. Yeah, hopefully it sounded <laughs> good. Point. If not, you know, don't worry yeah, about it. You know, we tried exactly. Uh, my third song is this my third? Yes. Yeah. My third song is actually from a game that was the final game. That I was able to play to completion on Twitch. Oh, okay. I think the final game that I actually played on Twitch that was kind of the nail in the coffin was uh, Flower, mm. that game company's game. Um, and I was just dealing with all those stream issues. And I was just like, I'm done. I'm out of here. Um, but the final game that I finished, and I'm glad that I didn't run into too many complications. I think at the very end I did, but I was still able to technically finish the game. And that is a short hike. And what a ridiculously wholesome little indie game this is it's very brief you could beat it in just a few short hours and the 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 long and short of it premise is that you are this little bird you're visiting your aunt and you are making this trek up this summit or this mountain and along the way you know you'll you'll wander around this kind of mountain cliffside talking to a number of npcs collecting items you'll collect these feathers that will help you um have like an extra boost in your uh step if you will where you fly just a little bit higher and along the way you are just treated to a delightful sweet of tunes all of which I believe was composed or created by one person. Mm. I, I won't spoil the end of this game uh, and the events that take place, but this song that I've selected is from the very end of the game called A Short Flight. And once you make it to the top of this summit, there is a little cutscene that kind of plays out. And I'm not ashamed to say that I shed a little tear after, you know, watching this kind of scene play out. And a lot of what brought that tear to my eye was the music that ended up playing just after the events that take place. And so, again, this is from A Short Hike. You can get it on Switch. You can now get it on PlayStation and I believe Xbox as well. Probably Steam. A really terrific, wholesome little indie game you can beat in just a few short hours. Aesthetically, it really almost kind of blends um, visuals from like Stardew Valley and Animal Crossing. So if that's your kind of thing, definitely check it out. Well worth the price of admission. But we are going to listen to a short flight from a short hike. Let's take a listen, Ryan.
almost a song right out of like Pixar's Up or something. Yeah, and it also, I mean, it has Ori, Will the Wisp kind of vibes to it too. Mm-hmm. I, I love the piano. Um, it, it really fits kind of the aesthetic to that game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So one person, like I said, did the soundtrack for this. I think his name is Mark Sparling, if I'm not mistaken. And I actually have the uh, the vinyl soundtrack for this because I oh, loved cool. it that much. It's uh, beginning to end, just very fitting to play during the spring or fall season. Uh, very comforting, very cozy. And that song, A Short Flight, is no exception. So we've got a couple of comments that I pulled from YouTube. This first person says... This OST is a big reason for why A Short Hike is my favorite game of 2019. Thank you. This next person says, Mark, this soundtrack is amazing. My wife and I just played through the game together. She is pregnant with our first baby. Her name is going to be Claire, which is the name of the main character that you play as. cool. And this music will always remind us of this special time in our lives. Thank you for that. And then finally, this last person says, I played and finished this game just today, and I have to say, it's one, if not the best gaming experience in my life. Wow. I like the graphic style. The park was so pleasant to go through. The quests were cool, too. That game made me relax a lot and put me in a really good mood. The OST is the biggest reason I love the game so much. Each song fits perfectly with the atmosphere of the game. The first time I went down from Hawk Peak and the music that played... I ended up landing at Aunt May's house when the music ended. Peter Parker was there and told me, (laughs) with great responsibility comes a lot of power or something. No, they didn't say any of that. They did end the comment by saying, that was an incredible feeling. Thank you so much, Mark. And thank you so much to the developers for this amazing game. Yeah, I find that indie games have some of the best soundtracks. Oh, they really do. Yeah. Um, yeah, because most of them are passion projects. Yeah, so you, you can definitely it definitely comes out in their soundtracks for sure, for sure. Um, so yes, a short hike again. If you've not played it, get it on Switch, get it on Xbox, get it on PlayStation, Steam, wherever you can play short hike. You have to. It's just such a wholesome little game, and you'll definitely smile a bunch. So, Ryan, we're coming in towards the tail end here. We've yes. got two more songs apiece. So, what are we queuing up for your number four song? All right. So this is, I think, the first game in the series that wasn't on a Nintendo system. Um, But this song always brings a smile to my face and kind of brings me back into the hunt and kind of an adventure into a new kind of gaming genre. And this is the uh, Monster Hunter World theme. Oh, okay, cool. Good stuff. So Monster Hunter World. Did you get this game around spring or do you really remember? I don't remember the launch date. I, I mean, I played this pretty much in every season. Yeah. Because um, I was going to say, if you didn't get it between March and May, we're not going to be able to play the song. It's kind of a oh, thing here. Oh, then, yeah, I totally got it. Okay, in the okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, Only spring months, never played any time outside of when flowers were blooming and <laughs> it was sunny. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. All right, well, let's queue up the Monster Hunter World theme. Of course, this is on the PlayStation 4. Mm-hmm. So this is specifically World, not Iceborne? Yeah, World. Okay. All right, let's take a listen then.
Yeah, so that song in itself is just a journey. Um, and then having that play on the title screen as you're kind of ready to go off and start battling monsters. And I mean, this was my first experience with Monster Hunter. And I know there's a lot of handhelds and Nintendo games, but this was a phenomenon. And mm-hmm. bringing mo- the series mainstream into the West, um, it, it was great. It's my favorite game of all time. And the soundtrack it goes along with that kind of level of quality bold statements man but um i I mean there's no way i can criticize you because for the number of times especially early on when we were recording this show that you were bringing monster hunter to the table and then when we did the infamous game bracket back in the 30s and 40s episodes way back when um it made it to the end and i think that's kind of when and around about the time you claimed that not only was this the winner of the bracket, this was your favorite game of all time. Yeah, so. and it hasn't really dropped. Um, it's it's an amazing RPG. Um, it, it's different than kind of like what you'd see with the Elden Ring, where it's like purely open world. This is kind of mission-based. But the core game loop is so strong, and all of the fights are so sound. It's just... And then you got cats cooking you food, and all the oh. fun like pig friend that's in your environment's getting you ready for the next fight it's just a a very good experience yeah now i'm with you and one i really want to sink my teeth into um i played a little bit maybe five to eight hours and i'm sure once i really get in on it i will love it and uh, capcom where's monster hunter world 2 it's got to be coming it's got to yeah. be in development it's we got be. dlc actually for um rise coming here in the next couple months i think it's june okay is the big dlc for rise um rise wasn't as good as world um, you're dealing with the Switch, so hardware is completely night and day. Mm-hmm. Um, even going back from Rise to, I mean, that's my 10th Platinum is what I want for World. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's just, yeah, we need two, World 2. For sure. All right, well, before World 2 comes out, I certainly want to play <laughs> Monst- wait, 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 actually, shit. Monster Hunter World. I, I have the comments for this one. Oh, okay, so you, this got, is the you one got some YouTube read. comments. <clears throat> yeah, so the first one is this theme tells you one thing. Monster Hunter loves its fans. Mm-hmm. And the second one, by a great username, Simp Slayer, oh boy. <laughs> is when you cry on this music, um, you really have pride of a hunter. Aww. that The wise words of Simp Hunter. Yeah. <laughs> or Simp Slayer. So, yeah, yeah. Those are the two comments with uh, this song. Good stuff. I love it. Well, my fourth track, Ryan, is from a game that I've talked many times about on this podcast and I know it wasn't received very well by the longtime fans. There's definitely quite the fan base behind this RPG. All right. It is the 13th game in a long running series. I'm sure many people already know what I'm talking about. And that is Final Fantasy 13. I'm sure we've played music from the game in the past. We've talked to our good friend Chronolink91 about the game many times as well, both on the show and off. But the song that I'm going to play is arguably my favorite song in the game. I think it's many people's favorite song in the game. And I think the one thing most people will agree on, regardless of how you feel about the story, the battle system, and it even being called a Final Fantasy game to begin with, Everyone can probably agree that the music in 13 is phenomenal. And this song in particular is called Sunlith Waterscape. Plays in one of my favorite areas of the game where you're playing as 
probably, I'm saying favorite a lot, but my favorite character in the game, and that's Saz. He's the guy with the, the dual uh, the dual pistols. He's got the little chocobo in his hair. He's oh, on a quest to save yeah. his son. Um, you're playing as both him and Vanille going through this forested area where you have the infamous flan enemies coming at you and all that fun stuff. Um, and I've heard this song so many times because um, I've watched Pete Dore speed run the game so many times and this is one of his favorite areas in the game um in general but also as part of the speed run so my memories with final fantasy 13 go way back to i believe 2012 i actually had to pull up my youtube review to really lock down when i played it originally and my review was released i think february or march of 2012 which means i must have played this game over christmas break after my first semester of college so definitely a special time and just a fun time too with the youtube gaming community all gen gamers and other gaming podcasts talking about at the time again it was very divisive among fans very polarizing you were either on the side of the fence where you loved it or you were on the side of the fence of this is not my final fantasy i won't play this one uh, which i totally get they really took things in a different direction uh, but regardless, it was a fun time to be in the conversation and playing the game uh, not too, too long after its release. Um, I know it came out in like 2009, 2010 time frame, but I got around to playing it in early 2012, late 2011. And uh, yeah, what more can I say other than I love the soundtrack, really big fan of the characters, even when the story goes into some nonsensical kind of incoherent crazy directions um i think it always um at the heart of final fantasy 13 it's always about its characters and the journey they're going on and uh, we have a great cast of characters in 13 so all of that said let's take a listen ryan to sunlith waterscape one of my favorite tunes in the game
Oh my goodness, such a good, good song. And uh, you had asked while we were listening to it about where it plays. I believe this is chapter five or six in the game. Okay, and this is not like cutscene music. This is like actively running through the game. Yeah, this is like wandering around this like crazy forested area. Because usually you don't hear words in kind of that um like ambionic ambionic like atmospheric mm-hmm. kind of music. It's generally just melodies, no words, but they have words in it while you're exploring. You're asking me the tough questions. I'm pretty sure because <laughs> yeah. I mean there were words in there, right? Unless yeah, there were. Yeah. yeah, and I'm pretty sure it, it's it's subtle. Uh, when you're wandering on the environment. Okay. Um, but there are two versions that on YouTube. There's both the one without lyrics and there's the one with. But I much prefer the one with lyrics. Yeah, because it, it reminds me of like the Horizon more opening theme song where it's more like a title run. Mm-hmm. And it has those words. Um, but if you're actually running around in gameplay, I can't remember. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But a great, it's a good, great song. Good song. Great song. Um, and so we have a couple comments here from YouTube. Three to be exact. This first person says... I don't care what anyone says about how good or bad this game is. At least the story and soundtrack are amazing. Second person says, when I'm in a bad mood, I listen to this song to calm me down. I mean, that'll certainly brighten up your mood. Hmm. And then this last person says, this song helped me through one and a half years of depression. Even without depression now, this song helps me have a happier day. Thanks Square Enix to make us this beautiful piece. Yeah. Good stuff. Music has a way of helping us through, and uh, RPGs yeah. certainly have a way of helping us get through difficult times. And yeah, and just getting lost in the world. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that's my fourth song, Ryan. I have one more, but I think you have one more, too. I do. Yes, and this is from my, not my favorite game, but my favorite soundtrack in a video game. Ooh, Octopath Traveler music? Yes, yes it is. And this is kind of, this is the main, or uh, the theme of one of the characters, okay. Tressa, who pretty much embodies spring and kind of that joy and optimism that comes with it. Um, you, you'll hear it through the music, but it's she's basically a little merchant who lives with her family who own a shop, and she goes off on this big adventure. And she's just the happiest of the group. Kind of like a fish out of water when she goes out on this experience, but has a life-changing yeah. Kind of journey. Yeah, exactly. Okay. You know, RPG stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All that nonsense. Yeah, you know, screw you know. growth and optimism. Jargon. All right, look, cool. Great let's song. let's take a look. What's the name of this one? Uh, just Tressa's Theme. Tressa's Theme. Okay, awesome. From Octopath Traveler, the RPG hit on the Nintendo Switch, also available on Game Pass right now. <laughs> <laughs> For $1 if you get an Xbox on Amazon Prime. <laughs> uh, let's take a listen to this one.
so yeah uh great song it's crazy how each one of the eight characters themes you like i listen to octopath original soundtrack while i'm doing work um as background music and i can definitely point out each theme oh yeah and i'm always happy when tressa's themes comes by because it's just an uplifting happy peppy um character and then also song to reflect that Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm You know, it's really just such a wonderful soundtrack, and I, too, listen to it pretty often. I listen to a lot of compilations where the Octopath Traveler music kind of sneaks its way in. Really, really good stuff. And definitely fits that um, kind of theme and idea of spring and joy and happiness. Yeah, exactly. Good stuff, good stuff. Great pick. Great final pick. Really nice selection this time, Ryan. Thank you. Yeah, good stuff. (laughs) This time, I like... (laughs) I mean, listen, I mean, if I'm going to be an Olympic judge, you know, maybe get a 7-5 this time, you know, 6... Six five six last time, you know. Hey, at least I'm making progress. Yeah, you're making progress. <laughs> Moving up. You're going up, Ryan. You can only be. You can only go up from here. What if I just play purely Foo Fighters? Is my next selection. Ten. T- Eleven. <coughs> oh Easy. shit! All right. Easy. But but here's the thing that you'd have to do is you'd have to find the obscure hits that are my favorite. So you'd actually like I don't want to hear Everlong or Monkey Wrench or My Hero. Like I want to hear. You got to do a deep dive on Foo Fighters music play what if i talk to sean about his beer like hidden beer message list and go with some of those songs no cheating you can't talk to sean that's that's uber cheating okay well what if (laughs) i talk to lauren who potentially knows you you need to do your own research independently okay yeah okay get back to me get back to me on the next episode but my final song is from a console that I remember so fondly, I distinctly remember getting this console. Uh, probably the most memorable memory that I have finding a console out in the wild, just given how difficult it was to get it. Nowadays, we're spoiled. We just sit there and camp on Amazon, Walmart, BestBuy.com. But back in our day, Ryan, when we had to walk you know, 45 miles to school up. I remember having to run away from raptors that were chasing me on my way to school. It it was rough. Yeah. We didn't have it easy back then. Uh, But we also had to go physically to stores to try and find these video game consoles. And the one that I have a great memory finding out in the wild was the Nintendo Wii. (laughs) The Christmas just after it released, I won't go into all the finer details because I would love to do a Destiny Island challenge just a Nintendo Wii retrospective mm. with you at some point. Cause I think you and I both have great memories with the system. Yeah. And one of the things that I think we were so spoiled with on the Wii and we didn't really know it at the time until we got later iterations of Nintendo consoles, particularly like the, the, the switch, I would say were all of the various console themes in music, right? Because when you go to the eShop nowadays, you, you know, the song that plays, uh, it's been a while since I've been to that eShop. Exactly, because there isn't one. No song plays. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. But the Wii, That's why it sucks. <laughs> the Wii Shop music theme is, oh my word, it's so good. And then not only do you have the Wii Shop channel, you had the Weather channel, you had the Me channel, you had all kinds of crazy channels on that Wii dashboard that each had their own unique theme song. And going along with that idea... With one of the best pack-in games for a console at launch, arguably ever, in Wii Sports. Yeah. 
The Wii sure. literally got an entire generation of people playing video games, whether you were five years old or you were 95 years old in a retirement home. Exactly. I mean, they're. it's crazy that they're putting video games in retirement homes to help keep them active. Yeah. And the Wii did that. Yeah. And Wii Sports in particular. So the song that I have queued up, and I can't point to one memory because I have so many playing bowling and golf and boxing and baseball and tennis with my dad, my sister, and all of our family and friends that came over that wanted to see this piece of tech. The Wii was like the first time in, in many years that I can point to where it was like everyone wanted to see what this console was all about and the motion controls that came along with it. Yeah. And so the song that I have is the Wii Sports main theme. How could that not remind you of spring and happy times? The interesting thing about this track is it is a remix of Ooh. the Wii Sports main theme. So everyone knows how the Wii Sports main theme sounds, but... Take a listen to this remix that I think is just an absolute banger. All right, let's take a listen. I'm down. So yeah, when I came across that remix, I was like, oh my goodness, because I was just going to have the original Wii Sports theme, which I feel like already slaps as it is. Yeah, it does. When I saw that and listened to it, I'm like, oh my word, people, the good people, the listeners of Otaku Brothers, they demand it. They must hear this. You turned into Emerald Lagasse and you just, bam, another notch. (laughs) I don't know what any of that means, but. The cook who threw on like pepper, salt, and just like, bam, another notch. Yeah, sure. Sure. What do you think about the song, Ryan? It's great. It reminds me of, um, there's a techno like house artist that I really like called Vice Tone. 
Um, he's the one who did that Obama like techno remix. Okay. Um, but yeah, I really like that style of techno. Not too hard on the bass where you're getting into like dubstep or like hard style, but it's still like you got the original song coming through with the techno hard bass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Uh. <laughs> yeah. I, I know exactly Instant what stuff. you're talking about. But no, I loved it. And I got a couple comments here quickly from YouTube. Not specific to this remix, but this is just um, specific to the original theme. This first person says, ah... Memories of launching the baseball in 50 different angles, mostly straight up, <laughs> throwing the, bo- the bowling ball backwards, yeah. singing along to the boxing theme, overshooting the golf ball into random locations outside the fairway, swinging the tennis racket like a wild animal. <laughs> we sports, yeah, that people. Is, yeah. We sports. This last person says, if they don't play this at my wedding, I'm throwing a bowling ball backwards. <laughs> <laughs> Hell, they don't play this at my funeral. I'm throwing yeah. a bowling ball. Yeah, no kidding. So, um, yeah, the Wii Sports main theme, what can be said about it that it hasn't already been said? It's, um, it's just literally cemented in my brain for the number of times that I've played this game on the Wii back in the day. And I'm sure many people can relate. So hopefully you enjoyed that Wii Sports main theme little remix there. And hopefully you enjoyed the whole suite of songs that Ryan and I brought to the table today. For our Memory of Melodies segment, again, this was really centered around joy, happiness, songs that remind us of spring. Hopefully, you're coming away from this episode feeling a little happier. You got a spring in your step. Maybe you're tapping your feet a little bit. Maybe you want to pick up an instrument, learn how to play the guitar or the flute or something like that. You know, it's never too late, people. It is for me. For languages and instruments, (laughs) I'm past my prime in learning things. Okay. But yeah, no. Great songs today. Yeah. For sure. Absolutely. So hopefully everyone enjoyed that. Uh, Drop in the Discord if you're not already there. Link in the show notes. Always fun conversations going on there about games, music, sports, and everything in between. And let us know what you thought about some of these songs. Ryan and Lauren, my wife, his sister, will be back potentially next week to review an indie game and just uh, chat about a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. So that should be fun and everything. Yeah. And then after that, Ryan and I will be back to our regular recording schedule of every two weeks. Lots of fun episodes in the pipeline. So stay tuned for all of that fun stuff, including guests who doesn't love guests on a talking brothers. We bring in back some people to join us on the show here in the near future. But with all that being said, and as we get to the tail end of every episode, I first just have to thank everyone for listening, of course, and continuing to tune into this show that Ryan and I love doing for all of you and the second thing that i have to always do is toss things over to my co-host and ask him ryan do you have any parting words or fun facts for our listeners yeah so this week i was trying to figure out if there was any like i guess celestial bodies that were in the shape of a cube i mean who doesn't think about that every day (laughs) yeah i mean obviously unless so like all planets are spherical and then you've got like galaxies which are just flat planes um like the earth yeah, like the Earth. Flat plan, you can fall off the edge. Just be careful, guys, when you're traveling. Yeah. Um, but yeah, one of my favorite kind of celestial bodies is something called a quasar. Oh, I've heard of this. Have you? I heard, I don't know much about it. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> okay, so basically it's, it's known as a quasi-stellar object. Um, it's basically an extremely luminous, active galactic nucleus. Okay, put that in like layman's terms, please. You just use like 12 words that no one's heard of. Uh, basically, it's a galaxy 
with a super or a super massive black hole in the center and it has basically two cones of energy flying off the side as mm-hmm. it's expelling energy and there's a few other i guess active nucleus gala- or galaxies um, the other are of which are let's see blazars radio galaxies and seafert galaxies but my favorite of which is the quasar Okay, well, sometimes Ryan brings those fun are facts. those are words, I guess. <laughs> sometimes Ryan brings fun facts where most people can, you know, understand what he's trying to say. Other times, he just kind of talks about stuff like that, and it's it's all okay because I challenge <laughs> yeah. Ryan to bring fun facts every week, and I don't put any kind of um, restrictions around what he talks about because this is Ryan's part of the show. It's his time to shine. You know, ninety five percent of the people aren't listening anymore, but Mom, I know you're still listening, and I hope you enjoyed. <laughs> that fun fact all right so that's it everyone that's a show that's a wrap this is a signature otaku brothers episode coming in at nearly two and a half hours we hope you found it entertaining hopefully you're still enjoying some great video games as you listen to this show but if not what are you doing the episode's over go play some great video games all right and ryan and i will be back with more episodes in the future see ya
Please. 